Hello and welcome to A Life in Music with Russell Scott. This podcast is dedicated to all you performers out there who want to be the very best you can be. Whether you're just starting out, a budding professional, just love performing, or have been professionally working in the industry for years, this podcast will help you be the very best. Thank you for joining us today, and don't forget you can check out the website, alifeinmusic.com. Now, without further ado, please welcome the man himself. With over 35 years professional performance experience, 100,000 record sales behind him, and a career spanning the worlds of classical music and musical theatre, on film, on television, on radio, and on stage, this is A Life in Music with Russell Scott. Well, hello and welcome to this very special edition of A Life in Music with Russell Scott. On today's show, I'm actually being interviewed by Victoria Hopkins of Total Choir Resources. And I thought I'd share this podcast interview with you uh, because it's it's really interesting, um, some of the questions that I've been asked, and I thought I'd share some background with you of my experience working with choirs um, in workshops and um, as musical director. And so I did this interview uh, just over a week ago, uh, and it was broadcast by Total Choir Resources uh, very recently. And I thought I'd post this as well so you could hear it too, and I could share these uh, insights with you uh, into uh, choir direction and choir workshops. So here it is. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to Total Choir Resources, episode 93. Welcome to Total Choir Resources, the podcast for choir leaders. Total Choir Resources offers tips, tools and training to choir leaders all over the world. I'm Victoria, and in this episode I'm joined by Russell Scott, choir leader, singer and vocal coach, to discuss what goes into creating a great choral workshop. Russell and I sang in the same choir years ago, and we recently reconnected. It was great to catch up and reminisce about the old days, but also to discover that we have so much in common in our current careers as choir leaders. Russell is a passionate advocate of choral singing and I know you're going to love his take on how to create inspiring choral workshops. So, welcome Russell, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, So I should say to our audience first off that you and I go back quite a long way, don't we? Yeah, Because we sang together in the Bournemouth Symphony Chorus in what, the mid-90s, I think? Yeah, yeah, it was sort of, yeah, mid to late 90s. We went on on tour together to... Israel and it, I, I knew we went together to Italy but I couldn't remember whether you, whether you were on the Israel trip yeah that was my first the first time I met you really that's how I met you on the Israel trip that infamous trip it was how is it, it was well it was just infamous because it was kind of a getting to know you kind of thing with so many people and they I, I think with the with the with the tour that the families were invited as well so it was kind of not oh, just really? the choir members in knowing each other it was all the families oh, yeah, I sort of remember other. that it was a big party, I think. Yeah, I remember Italy much more clearly, and and that was just terrific. And I, I will never forget that moment uh, in the Basilica of St Francis singing "Mirror of Perfection." Do you remember that? That was a really, yeah. really special. 
yeah, event. Yeah, it was amazing, amazing. Anyway, so yeah, years and years and years. But we haven't spoken to each other for quite a long time before we got in touch very recently. Indeed. Um, so, Russell, you've got a very long and impressive CV, but um, we could spend a whole episode talking about that, and I don't <laughs> think we should. <laughs> quite right. Um, so why don't you just... Um, Fill us in a little bit about your uh, choir leading background. How did you come to lead choirs? Well, I've, I mean, I've always been very passionate about uh, choral singing. Um, and I, you know, we met at the Bournemouth Symphony Chorus, but I was singing in the London Philharmonic Choir at that time. And I was, uh, I'd, I'd sung there for five years. I ended up on their board of directors um, and got to know how the, the sort of running of a choir works quite well from a, a very professional level. Um, and I loved it, and I, and I still love it to this day, and I still love singing, and I still love singing in choirs, um, professional or otherwise, whether it's, you know, a cappella or whether it's with a, you know, a 60-strong professional chorus. Um, it's, I, I still have the, the same feel as I had it the very first day that I sang with the London Philharmonic, and I, I remember that. I remember the very first performance I ever did singing with that choir and it was it was electrifying I mean it was it was so exciting What was it um, Well <laughs> it was singing at an outdoor gig at the Milton Keynes Bowl doing a kind of last night of the proms thing and for me that was like oh my goodness I never thought I would get to perform on a stage with a full symphony orchestra yeah. and a choir like this singing this stuff yeah. um and then the second thing I went on to do was a was a prom, um, so it was kind of full in, you know, just 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 get on in there and, and just do it, and it was an amazing feel. So sort of after that, I'd I'd already been sort of performing as a as a solo artist, and I uh, got into performing classically as a solo artist as well. But I I loved teaching, and I was already doing some coaching uh, privately, uh, doing musical theatre stuff, and uh, I was starting to teach more more classical technique. And the more I was doing it, the the more interesting and passionate I, I got into it and the more I loved to do it and the more I was being asked to do it. Mm. So it was kind of a, a kind of a progression that was very organic. It wasn't something I decided to do. Um, and then I was asked to run some workshops and I was asked to work, run some workshops by a company called Next Stage Drama, which um, basically ran um, acting workshops uh, for non-actors. So, so just general people that love to act or they were doing Amdram or wanted to act or they wanted to learn how to act. And the lady wanted to do some singing stuff. So she asked me if I would be interested in running some um, singing workshops for non-singers. Um, and I thought, yeah, that sounds, sounds like a great idea. That's sort of a natural thing for me. So I'll, I'll go on and do that so I ran a series of workshops and they were really successful and what was what was happening though was I was getting a bit of a fan base in that the same people were coming back time and time and time again it's and always in very end, encouraging to get some repeat business from people exactly exactly and it was great for me because I was I was able to sort of continue my sort of training of those people um and so eventually after about a year or so of doing this I, I turned around and said look why don't we start a choir? We've got the same people coming all the time. Let's start a little choir. So the choir was formed um, and I became chorus director of, of that choir, which we called Next Stage Choir. Uh, and then about a, about two years into running that, uh, the lady was uh, was uh, um, wanted a move and she moved the area and decided that it, she, she wasn't able to run, run the business. So um, I bought the business from her. So I bought the choir. And uh, so I've managed it from a sort of an administrative purpose and also from a PR and marketing um, standpoint and, and have remained chorus director and it's sort of gone from strength to strength so I kind of it, I've gone from being a choral singer into a, a musical director into running a choir um, and seen all the sort of facets that, that surround that. I think it can be really valuable to have been a choral singer before you lead a choir um, just because you have that 
that innate sense of what it's like to be a choral singer. Um, but I know that a lot of people don't have that luxury and they, you know, become choir leaders but by other means you know they've been an accompanist or they're a music teacher in a school that kind of thing happens a lot and I think a lot of our audience do things the other way around from that they 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 lead a choir and it's the leading a choir that then feeds into the other things like running workshops and coaching and all that sort of stuff so um, we're going to talk about workshops today and what makes a great choral workshop um, so I, I thought we'd start off by talking about maybe our memories of of really good choral workshops that we've been, choral workshops we have known. <laughs> Is there any sort of instance of not things that you were leading, but things that you attended that you can that you know that really resonated with you? Things that have really stayed with you. I think I think the thing is I think your best workshop I think I think when singing in a in a um, when I was fortunate enough to sing in the London Phil I was and, and for you for, with uh, with Bournemouth I think we're fortunate to work not only with an amazing orchestra but you you get to work with amazing conductors I mm. mean the, the, you know the world's most renowned conductors and that isn't the, you know not all choirs have that have that privilege um, or not that all those choirs are sort of set up in the same way that they would do that and I think the you know working with all those different conductors from the likes of Simon Rattle and Bernard Heitink and Mark Elder. Um, you know, you, 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 you just get, you get so much knowledge from working with other amazing choral directors and they're sort of workshops in themselves. I mean, I, I did some workshops and we had, we had an amazing workshop. I remember in the London Phil with, with David Lowe, who was a, a choral scholar and a teacher, and um, he worked at the at the Royal Academy, um, and and he came in and and did a sort of totally independent workshop um, on singing and on performance, and it was amazing. And you got you got so many different uh, different skill sets that that he was uh, working with us on, and so many tips and tricks and behind the scenes stuff that 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 was really really useful and valuable. But I I still think for me. I think having visiting choir, uh, visiting choral directors coming in and visiting co um, com um, conductors come in was my greatest source of knowledge. So if you were a, if you were a start, starting out as a choir director now and perhaps starting out in a, in a in a place or in circumstances where you didn't have that luxury that that we had of working with these amazing sort of you know renowned conductors, what would be a, a good way to get that kind of inspiration and an experience go and watch some concerts go and watch some choral concerts perhaps see if you can get an invite to a uh, to a rehearsal and go and watch and it's you know each each time you watch a concert you are watching a masterclass in mm. the art of amazing choral conducting and when you you could go and watch a, a tiny group of people do some perhaps some period stuff some Bach or something and watch a, watch the 16 for example watch Harry Christopher's and the 16 and then go and watch a Mahler 8 and you'll see the difference in 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 the style of conducting. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're doing this on a professional level or you're doing it on a semi-pro or amateur level. You are, for me, it's all about being the best you can be. And I've grown because I, I did have music training. I mean, I was I, I am a trained musician. I, I I play keyboards. I play the piano, and I'm I I, I teach singing. I'm trained to, to to do all of those things. But I I grew as a choral director and a musical director from doing it from physically doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good that's really good advice and I think if you are starting out and and perhaps you're thinking that you want to um offer your choir um choral workshops 
in so, in whatever form, whether as an adjunct to your normal rehearsal schedule or just as a um, you know as an interesting thing to do, um, it would be a great start to go and watch somebody else do something similar, wouldn't it? Absolutely, and you can go off and do courses. I mean, there are there are lots of courses available, and you can join organisations and associations that will also help you and support you in in your training um, to do it. And I, I mean, I, I've run workshops now all over the country um, on on all sorts of levels with professionals and and non professionals and people that have never sung in their lives. And I've I've run workshops, and I've also helped other choral directors um, in in helping to run a choir and and, in, and not just musically but administratively. Um, um, and I often get called and I often get asked questions on how to do certain things. How do I pick the right repertoire? How do I help um, blend and balance in the choir? How do I how do I deal with the personalities in the choir? Because, you know, yeah, that could be a tricky one. <laughs> that's always a tricky one. Um, I'm taking uh, I'm taking one of my choirs to Austria in October um, to work with another choir. And it's always very exciting to collaborate and then again to watch another choral director with their choir. Um, and I don't suggest for one minute that people start ringing around other choirs saying, can I come and watch your choir and nick ideas from you so I can use it in mine? <laughs> That's not very nice well, thing to do. Well, perhaps that would be OK if you had something res- uh, to you know, reciprocate with. Well, yeah. Or, or perhaps if you're not in the same area or in the, on the sort of same genre. Mm. Um, but I do think it's a good idea to, to talk to other people and to ask lots of questions and, and go and watch as much as you can. Okay. Okay, so let's put this all into a a workshops context now and look at how we could structure, how we could create a workshop that would deliver these kind of things to our choirs. Um, And I've I've come up with a few different areas that we might look at. And the first is um, about creating a team spirit. Now, that's sometimes that's easy to do, isn't it? When you've got a choir, a group that already work together already know each other they're already comfortable with each other but if you've got a group coming in for the first time and most of them don't know each other what's your take on how to get them gelling as a group and singing together well in a, in a workshop situation I mean I, I start my workshops the, the same way I mean I, I do a little chat uh, I did a little introduction about who I am what I do and what the intention is of the of the day and then I, I start by getting people to Tell me who they are. You know, tell me your name. Sometimes I get them to sing their name because uh, I, I try and break the barriers down and have a laugh. And it's very important to, to smile and have fun. If you, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, you know, if you don't enjoy doing something, don't do it at all. If you don't enjoy singing, don't be in a choir. Don't go there just just to make friends. Yeah. You know, you've got to love to do what you what you do. Um, but in a workshop situation, you've got to get to know people. You know, I would suggest if you were starting a brand new choir, for example, or you were starting a brand new workshop, is to sit everybody in a circle. Perhaps if there's if it's a small group, sit everyone in a circle where you can where you can connect with each other. Get everybody to introduce themselves. Play some silly workshop games. Oh, I'm a big fan of silly workshop games. Yeah, they're great and they they get people relaxed and that's what you need to do to start with. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but have you got a favourite silly game? Yeah. (laughs) Can you describe it? (laughs) Uh, I play a game that I came across several years ago um, called the Diddly D game. (laughs) I I like it already. (laughs) Well, you kind of start, you sort of stand in a circle. And you've got this sort of phrase, diddly dee, diddly dee, diddly 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 dee. Mm. And each person has to say one syllable. So it's diddly, dee, diddly, dee, diddly, 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 dee. And it goes around, each person saying one syllable. And you get faster and faster and faster and faster. That's the idea. And obviously, if you if you get the wrong syllable or you, and sort you of just... hesitate, you just stop. That person's out. 
And you just, uh, and you, so you're saying this rather than singing it. Yeah. And when you say like one syllable, do you mean di, de, li? No, no, I okay. mean did, did, did. Diddly. Diddly is one syllable for these one purposes. Syllable, yes. Okay. Diddly D. Diddly D. Diddly 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 D. And it just it, it it's brilliant. It's a really oh, I'm really I'm gonna have good. to try that. It sounds yeah. really good. And then what you can do to make it even harder, because then you sort of up a gear. So you kind of do it in a clockwise motion, but what you can then do is get people switching their heads left and right, saying it to the person to the left of them or saying it to the right of them, and that person then has to pick up and it just changes all the time, going back and forth, back and forth. Oh, cracking. It sounds really comp It sounds like the kind of thing that, that creates a lot of giggling and that's what you kind of create, want, isn't it? Exactly. And it breaks the ice. It's great. It's a great little game. So let's move on. Um, what about getting a, getting a new perspective on something? So a workshop could be about getting a new leader in. We've sort of touched on that a little bit or by having time to focus on something in more depth than you usually do in rehearsal. I'm thinking that workshops can be very useful if you actually want to... Um, look at the work of like a, a particular composer or something like that? I think I think um, one-offs are great ideas for choirs. I think that's really good. I mean, I've done it before with a cappella music, for example. Um, we, we, one of my choirs is not an a cappella choir, yeah. but we, we had a challenge to, to, to do an a cappella piece, and I decided to put in a, an extra workshop, just a workshop or sort of masterclass on how to sing a cappella music, and we did lots of exercises surrounding that. And you can do it with anything. I mean, I, I think I think choral choral members love workshops. They love the idea of concentrated effort on something rather than just going to rehearsal, which is sort of very much more generalised. Yeah. They like the idea of going and saying, right, well, let's learn how to how to read music bit better let's go and let's learn how to sight read a bit better let's learn as you say about about people's music mm. uh, about composers about a genre of music perhaps um perhaps it'll be on blend and balance perhaps it'll be on choreography uh, oh you're, my goodness you're, you're invited choreographer <laughs> to come and talk to you oh i see i thought you meant you'd actually just do the choreography yourself <laughs> I, I, I definitely wouldn't do choreography you don't want to see me dance that's one thing i don't do so if we want to um, say we want to use a workshop to develop a particular aspect of technique like you would you just mentioned um you know blending that kind of thing um we obviously we have the luxury of more time than we do in an ordinary rehearsal, but we still have the challenge of coaching a group of people rather than coaching an individual voice. So you're someone who does both of those things. What's your take on how how to help people develop their technique when there's lots of them? Well, it's it's always trickier. The more people that you've got, uh, the harder it gets. Um, but then you've got to find ways of getting getting to people. So you know, one of the, one one good way of doing it. I mean, particularly you know, if, if we take blend and balance for example, is to put them in small groups. So if you've got a choir of forty people, you put them in groups of four, ten groups of four, and you get them to work together and singing various vowel sounds and different shapes and phrases of of pieces of music. That's what I would do, uh, and I would get them. I would I would I would do them one group at a time uh, to try and really hear each other. And the idea with particularly with blend is so that no one stands out. Mm. And it's all about listening more. One of the things I did a few months ago uh, when I was doing my a cappella um, workshop was I, I got people sitting back to back so they couldn't see each other. And I got the one row. I put them in two rows, back to back. So this um, is sitting. They're sitting on chairs. Sitting on chairs. Two rows, as though they were playing just about to game, play a game of musical chairs. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then I got um, the one one side to start singing a vowel, and then I asked the other side to join in, but no louder, and to totally blend. And it gets them listening in a totally different way because, because they're, they're not watching each other. Exactly. So they're not watching each other. And it also, the other thing I did was I asked them, one group to come in as quickly as they could hear the sound, 
but to- as balanced as they could straight away. Yeah. So it's all about listening and coming in really, really quickly, but quiet enough not to overpower oh, or stand out. And so um, another area is, is this sort of idea of confidence building, using workshops to help singers get the confidence to... Um, to, to sing out and um, I suppose be a little maybe a little more autonomous when they're singing in their choirs because we, we all know that there are different there are different types of singers in our choirs and some of them are completely unfazed by being right at the front or being heard or whatever and there are always some that want to cower a little bit at the back. Well, you know that the performance is something I specialise in. That's that's my background. I mean, yeah. I've been a performer all my life practically, um, and and I. I understand people, I think. I mean, I understand a lot. I mean, I, I've recently, I'm going to do a little plug here, but I've I've started a, a blog and a podcast of my own called A Life in Music with Russell Scott, which is all about performers who want to be the very best they can be. Because I really understand how much confidence and support is required to sing. And one of the things I do and I should just plug that, it's alifeinmusic.com. <laughs> That's all right, Lisa. Okay, plug received. <laughs> um, but one of the things I do with choirs particularly is I move people around quite a lot. And the same in workshops is I, I move people around. Once they've, they, they've become quite comfortable, I try and get them out of their comfort zone. But I also do it in a very subtle way. I mean, I, I would never, never individualise people and, and stand them out so that, that oh, no. they know that, that they think they're weaker and this one thinks they're stronger. I do it in a way that is all done for blend. And it's amazing the results that you can get by doing that. But also, a lot of less confident um, singers tend to think that sitting in the back row is the way to sort of hide a little bit. But as I say to choirs a lot, um, often is the case in professional choirs that the stronger singers get put at the back because it pushes the sound forward. Yeah. And so what I tend to do is I, I mix people up totally. I put some of the stronger ones in the, in the back, some of the ones in the stronger in the middle, some of the, I, I mix it up and then I put the, put the less confident singers surrounded by those people and once I feel that the strength has changed and the sound has changed and the balance has changed with those people I'll mix it up again and then that way what happens is is that is the choir gradually gets stronger and stronger and stronger and I'll make it very clear that if you're sitting at the back you're not going to hide because (laughs) they're the ones I'm listening to first yeah that's good advice and I think perhaps sometimes we can all get a little bit too stuck in a rut and I mean, I, I have to confess that I did I did that towards the end of last the last season with my choir. We were just really busy. I was really busy with other stuff, and it just became it became very simple to just have everybody in the same place every week. It is, and of course, they get very comfortable with it. And 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 every rehearsal, I think, oh, I, I really need to do some mixing up again, that because it's I know it's really good for my choir. They respond very well to it. Um, but there was just a bit of inertia there. So um, so I didn't. And it's something that I'm definitely going to have to get back into doing. I think what it season. also it, I think what it also prevents is is cliqueiness within the choir. Yeah, because, you know, you get friends wanting to sit, sit next to each other and you get more comfortable and you sit there, for, you know, you sit there for six months and you're sitting there and it's all very comfortable and cosy. And it's all very, you know, your you're best buddies with the, with the two people, three people around you. And I don't like cliqueiness in choirs. I really hate it. I think it ostracizes people, especially new people. Yeah. So I think the best way to do that, again, mix it up, keep mixing it up, keep mixing it up. And, and no one can get into that situation. Yeah. Good advice. OK, so um, let's finish off by talking about UK Choir Festival, which is a very exciting project that you um, you created. You just 
came up with the idea. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've I've been to other choir festivals and I've been researching a lot about choir festivals and I wanted to produce something that is open to all types of choirs of all genres in a non-competitive way. Most choir festivals are competitive and I wanted to create something where people wouldn't just go along for a, for a mass sing. I wanted to create something where people would come along and learn from the very, very best workshop leaders in the country and come away feeling inspired and enthused and confident and loving what they do even more, having learnt tons of new stuff. So you've almost, I mean, I've, I've had a good look at the, um, the website, which is very impressive. It's a really nice website. And um, so you've almost created lots of different things in one festival, haven't you? Because you've got a series of workshops run by some, some very impressive leaders. Um, and then you've also got the performance aspect. So the choirs are going to perform for each other. Is that right? That's right. So we're, we've, we've got workshops going on all day. It's a, it's a theatre environment. So it's a sort of 400-seater theatre in one tier so that um, sight lines are good for everybody. And they'll get to work with the likes of Dominic Peckham and Basil Mead and Pete Churchill and obviously myself and uh, Joanna Lestrange, um, who was uh, an ex-Swingle and MD of the Swingle Singers. There are some amazing people. So they get to, to work with those people on different aspects of, of singing and learning so from blend and balance art performance vocal workouts um, crossover between swing and, uh, and classical music um, lots and lots of and, and a gospel workshop to be really exciting and so they get lots of different skill sets that they can work on and work with things that they might know about things they might not learning from memory um, lots and lots of different tips and tips and tricks coming from the very very best in people and then at the end of the day each choir has an allocated slot of five to ten minutes where they can perform on stage um and we are not it's, it's as i said non-competitive but the workshop leaders will listen to the performances and they will make some notes for each of the choirs to take away with them on paper only they're not not shared to oh, anyone right. else so it's not kind of a feedback not kind of a masterclass type no, of scenario but it'll be a feedback opportunity basically to yeah. you know for, for encouragement and support and some some constructive critique to really help them um and one of the things we've also offered is we've offered a, a sort of platinum package for people um, for choirs that would like to take part, that would like to get some one-to-one -one time with the workshop leaders. Um, and so that opportunity is there as well, where they can get some really direct feedback um, from from these great people. And this is taking place, it's towards the end of October, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, 29th and 30th of October in St Albans. And then the plan next year is to tour it. Um, so we're hoping to tour it around the country next year and give opportunity to even, even more choirs and even more diversity, you know, throughout the UK. And we should say that this is, um, this is for choirs, isn't it? Not for individual singers. So this is, so if choir leaders are out there listening and thinking, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm in the UK, I, I could potentially do that. They'd be taking their choir with them or a, a proportion of their choir. What do we need to, is, it, yeah. is there a minimum number that you're looking for? Well, it's a minimum of four singers, so it makes up a, an SATB basically. But it is right. it is for choirs only. We don't have any individual tickets on sale at all. We have had a number of people asking if they can come along as an individual, which we've unfortunately had to say no to, because it's not that kind of kind of environment. We're right. not setting it up as a, a sort of conference. It is very much a workshop for choirs. Um, and uh, we've had I've had choral directors literally from all over the world wanting to come along. Exciting. Um, and that is it is very exciting. Um, and and get involved and and obviously we want to open this up to as many people as possible and to give opportunity to as many people as possible it's had great support it's been sponsored by vocal zone and um it, it's it's going to be a really exciting weekend of music making 
Um, and it doesn't matter the standard. We're not we're not interested in the standard of the choir. This is, as I said, it's non-competitive. So it doesn't matter if it's a brand new choir or it could be a group of people that just do it for fun. They meet once a week and they don't even do concerts. But they just meet once a week to have a sing. It doesn't matter what standard it could be. It could be one of the best choirs in the, in, in the country. It doesn't matter the standard because it's non-competitive. Um, and so it's all about going in and learning and being inspired and getting this opportunity to hear other choirs, learn from other choirs and learn from the from the best workshop leaders around. OK. And so where should um, where should choir leaders go to find out more? To www.ukchoirfestival.com. OK. Well, Russell, thank you so much for for sharing your experience and your advice with us today. It's been really valuable. I know our audience is going to get a huge kick out of it. Thank you. It's been been a pleasure, real pleasure. That's it for another episode of Total Choir Resources. If you enjoy the show and you'd like more from Total Choir Resources, go to totalchoirresources.com forward slash download to get 10 fun and easy warm-ups for your choir. Until next time, thanks for listening. Well, there you go. That was my interview with Victoria Hopkins of Total Choir Resources. It was really exciting to uh, hook up with her again. It's been many, many years since we've been in touch, and uh, I had no idea that she was uh, heading up this amazing uh, site called Total Choir Resources, which features a podcast every week as well. Um, So that's really great uh, and uh, really exciting to do it and to share these uh, insights with you and to to talk about choir music and choir singing and choir direction, um, something I'm very passionate about as you well know. Well, that's about it. Uh, Don't forget to check out the website at www.alifeinmusic.com. Subscribe to the podcast and keep in touch and uh, send me all your comments and feedback and questions. Uh, And don't forget, be your very best. Mm